listening to the Worcester Observer podcast because you have impeccable taste. Hello and welcome to the Worcester Observer podcast. I'm your host, Rob George. Joining me is Claire once again on a changeable Wednesday afternoon here in Redditch. It's been raining, it's been sunny. We haven't had any snow yet, but that's probably just about round the corner. I can see some blue skies out there. It's gorgeous. Blue sky, this blue sky spring is amongst us. Um, I think there's only one place to start, really. Everyone's talking about it. So we should add our weight into Harry and Meghan. I felt like a shot jock then. I was about to say, give us your views. Oh, 0800, no. <laughs> um, Harry and Meghan, your views. Oh, gosh, where do we start? Where do <laughs> we start? Do you know, I think I'm one of the only people who see both sides. Everything I'm reading online, people either love them or hate them. It's very Marmite, isn't it? Yeah. But I really can understand their want... To get away from it all, yeah. but I also understand how they're letting down the Queen and the monarchy and they're trying to have their cake and eating it. So I don't, I, I'm really in the middle, <laughs> I'm on the fence, but um, I don't know, what do you think? Well, I'm going to hop up on that fence with you and to say I'm the second person okay. that sees it uh, <laughs> both ways. I've no doubt that they have had an unfair press at times, they have had an unfair press. Um I happen to think that some in our industry, in the print industry, have uh, been looking to get back at Harry for an awful long time and now uh, actively devote their lives to giving him a good kick in. Mm. And I think had he married, I think the issue of colour must be addressed. Had she been white, I don't think she'd have had some of the coverage that she's had and in the context it was portrayed... And that's where I have a big concern um, that some of the coverage has got a racial undertone. I won't say it's racist, but there's an element of race to it. But is it. that anything to do with her, the colour of her skin? Or is that the kind of person and the vibes she has been putting... It's an outsider. It's the outsider thing, I think. Right, OK. You know, she's this, she's this mixed-race woman married into an all-white monarchy. Mm. Um, and I think there's an aspect to that. But... Because I don't think the British press is racist. I really think in this country... I don't think we, it's racist. Yeah, I, and I think we are, as a country, not... I mean, I've lived in America, as you know, for 11 years, and I think it's a lot more racist over there. I really am proud of us Brits. Yeah. That when it doesn't, it's not even an issue, and we don't talk about these things as much, because it just doesn't, it, it, not that it doesn't matter, but it's not in our everyday lives. And I'm sure there are lots of people of colour saying to me, but you're white and that's racist, saying that. And I'm not trying to be like that. I've just lived in two very different countries and I'm proud of us Brits, the way we are very welcoming of all. It's lovely. Yeah, I think I would probably challenge you in the slight, in the slight way. I think it is a problem in America, overwhelmingly. Hmm. I think it's lesser of a problem in the UK than America. But I think to say it's not a problem would be wrong. You haven't said that. No. But I think to say it wasn't a problem. But we all loved her and we loved the fact that she was from this yeah. different... I'm um, staggered. I'm staggered because the coverage, you know, it just... It, I, I'm, I'm sure you listeners, have, or you, you listeners have all had this feeling as well. There are some times in life you realise this is damn historic. Hmm. Either you witness it yourself or you're watching it on the TV and there's something in your gut that goes, oh, wow, this is 
pretty big. Mm. And it felt like that. The day she got married to Harry felt like a monumental day for Britain. We were so excited. And I personally was very excited to have a person of colour joining our monarchy. I was thinking this is going to be the start of something amazing. And that's what I'm... That was the feeling of the country as a whole. And that's why I don't think we are racist. So why do you think the tides have turned? I think they haven't helped themselves. Um, Purely from the other side of the... Shall we say the attacking side... You can't say, you're, well, we're only having two children because of the impact on the planet. They're people of privilege. She is married into privilege. Mm. People don't like being spoken down to. You know, if what, you know, so you're saying if I've had four or five kids, uh, I'm a damaged society even though I'm in a loving relationship with my partner mm. and all the children are wonderful, you know. Is that wrong? And then lecturing people on taking, you know, taking, cutting, cutting down on their carbon footprint and then getting a private jet on holiday. Yeah, that was just appalling, wasn't it? That's not great. I mean, if you want to challenge the media on that, then the media are perfectly right to say, well, hang on, you can't say people should cut down on the carbon footprint and then get a private jet. No. But then Harry and Meghan could have easily resolved that by saying, yeah, and once we're back from our holiday... We're going to this event where we're going to plant however many trees it was to offset our carbon footprint from that private jet journey. It's a bit do as I say, not do as I do, isn't it? Which isn't nice for anyone to hear. But um, I definitely think Harry, he must have been the most popular member of the royal household. Everyone, Everyone loved him. He's lovable. And the only part of me which thinks ooh about Megan because I loved her too I was super excited but since they did seem to get together I feel like Harry's just become sadder in the public eye yes. he, he always used to be the jokey one who'd jump on camera and he'd he has a level of mistrust of the media that goes back to the pre-Megan days hmm. he used to really despise the media for understandably for what they did to his mother and the contribution although I will stress that on that fateful night in Paris when Diana, Princess of Wales, died, there wasn't a single member of the British press there involved chasing her or anything. Mm -hmm. This was a foreign press act. This was not the British press. And since her death, although it was sad that it it came to this, the British press smartened up its act considerably. Gone are the days of chasing a princess down the street now. It doesn't happen now. No. Because our industry knows to behave itself. But I think he's got this distrust of the media. And one thing I don't understand is that if he or a press secretary picked up the phone to all the national newspaper editors in this country and said, Harry wants to meet you one by one at Frogmore Cottage, where they live, to discuss the coverage, every national newspaper editor would be there 15, 20 minutes. Absolutely. Because they want to keep a good relationship. And I don't like the way they went about announcing this on Instagram late at night. I mean, that's just unprofessional and not the way it's done in Britain. So that must have been a Meghan thing. I'm sure of it. It's even her kind of wordage if you study it. And you have to then question, oh, Harry, maybe you should have stepped in and done this properly rather than... quite simply... I, I mean, I used to be a, when in my student days. I'll come out and say it now. I was, I was very much a Republican. I could, I couldn't see what the monarchy was about. Why can't we be more modern? Why have we got this historic thing? I'm now very much a monarchist. I'm very much proud in that in Britain we've got this royal family. 
And I just think if Harry had had these doubts and had these, this, this desire to say, look, William's pretty much ensconced now as the future king. You don't really need me. I'm going to go off and live privately with Meghan and Archie. He should have just had that conversation it before. It should have all been done, because the royal yeah. family keeps secrets. And anyone that tells you they know what's going on in the royal family is lying to you, because the only people that know what's going on in the royal family are the royal family. Mm. He could have kept it completely quiet, and I am sure the Queen, as a grandmother, as she said in that statement on Monday, which, by the way, it was immensely touching. If you do not feel sorry for Her Majesty the Queen at the moment, then you are dead inside, mm. frankly, because she said in that statement, there's a level of heartbreak there that no 93-year-old should be experiencing. Mm. He could have kept it quiet, and I'm sure the Queen would have took him to one side, counselled him, gave him advice, gave him support, and if that was still his wish, then she would have put the plans in place to go right Here's the exit strategy. And it could have been the royal family instigating it all and yeah. keeping a sort of control and pride in it rather yeah. than having it stripped away from them and it being very unprecedentedly just announced on Instagram. That's the one thing I really don't like. I mean, the thing, the thing they've got to do and they're failing at is to win the PR war. They're losing it. I mean, the... Who, Meghan and Meghan Harry? Meghan and Harry are yeah. losing it dramatically mm. because one of the front pages, I can't remember which news, but it was the Daily Mirror the next day, screamed what the nation was thinking. They didn't even tell the Queen. Yeah. And I think that's going to stick in a lot of people's minds. And I don't think Meghan is very media savvy. She pretends to be being this LA actress mm. and all that. But I don't think she's got a clue. Like, even the speech she did where she said, oh, thank you for asking... I think that annoyed a lot of media people. I think yeah. I think because she'd just been in Africa. She'd been seeing people who had nothing. Yeah. And then she's there saying, oh, feel sorry for me. I'm hardly coping. Well, I mean, Thanks. You complaining know. about privacy on a documentary you've asked for ITV to go and film in Africa, yeah. as you said, with people who've got nothing. I know. It doesn't look, and I think, it I, doesn't look great. I think initially lots of the viewers appreciated that. But a, a lot of journalists who I know hated that. They yeah. They really hated that. Um, and it's all starting to come out now, and it's them who write the stories and yeah. are filling up our papers. I take, and great, I take great umbrage with it because I think a lot... I think Diana's children have had a very good press. Hmm. They've been looked after. I think the press have... Yes, there's been elements of wanting to poke, poke some that they're jealous of, the people with privilege, people with money. But I think on the whole, they've been fair. I think William and Catherine... Gosh, I'm being very informal here. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge have had three healthy children. I think the the coverage around their births, around Kate's pregnancy, it was a lot of understanding. She actually raised a lot of profile of people suffering with the terrible morning sickness she had. I, is, I can't pronounce it. I still... I can't either, yeah. Hyper, I'm not... No, I'm not even going to... Yeah. No, I'm not... And I think she raised a lot of awareness. And But I still think there's an, there's an off-ramp for Harry here. Mm. He can still leave, but do it right. Just, Work with your grandmother. It's just such a shame because we lo we loved all of the idea of the, that awesome foursome, didn't yeah. we? Kate, William, I, Harry, Meghan. And the power in that. It could have been amazing. I think that's what we're all really sad about. Yeah, and they are giving away the greatest platform for their issues because there is no greater platform for getting your issues across than the royal family. If you don't believe me, look at what Diana did. She walked through a field full of landmines. 
Mm. Everybody knew about landmines within a week. Yeah. Because Princess Di would backed it. Absolutely. And they're giving away their greatest profile. But if they want the privacy, that's fine. They go with people's blessing. I'm sure everyone in this nation would go, no, go away with our blessings. What you, you won't trade on the royal name. What do you think about Meghan's father now saying that he might testify against his own daughter? It's nothing we don't know, is it? I mean... But, we, but we'll actually get to see all the text messages and everything prior to the wedding. And Well, I would hope he would have a sense of maturity. I mean, if... <laughs> To me, he doesn't behave like a father. Yes, he's estranged from his daughter, but the way of getting back to it, I can't imagine, is embarrassing her on a major, major global level, which this will be. He's he's a loose cannon. Mm. I mean, you haven't heard Meghan's mother speak. No. You've seen her at functions. That was one weird thing, though, isn't it? Because at her wedding, it was she only had her mother uh, out of the whole family. Yeah. And she had no old school friends. No. It was all new friends, new celebrity, new celebrity friends. New celebrity friends. Nobody from her past past. So, yeah, I don't know. I really wanted to love her. I really liked her. And now I'm. it's slipping. I still it want is slipping. to. I still want to. But I think they'll win a lot of favour back in me if they actually are respectful towards the institution that raised them and actually gave them the wealth and the platform that he has got. Mm. And it's Harry's decision to drive this. I, I don't like his distrust of the media because what two reasons. One, I think he's got the ability to control it. I think he can actually say, look, I want to do it a certain way, but I can't have you doing this, this and this. When we are, yeah, you criticise us. But don't come after us just because you want to. Mm. It's not fair. But equally, every time he has done something in the public eye, he grabs your attention. When he announced two days before Archie appeared in public with his mum, he gave that sort of impromptu sort of press conference. He looked like every father, new father does, sort of excited, overwhelmed, over the moon, but absolutely bewildered on what the hell you do next, (laughs) that we've Mm. all been there. Mm. but people empathised immediately. They were like, oh, bless him. Oh, yeah. And it was the same with Megan. You know, they, they walked toward, they, they answered reporters' questions. She was just tenderly touching Archie. Everybody identified with that. People were like, oh, they're so cute. Do you think she'll ever be welcome back, though? Because I think the British people are just um, so upset. It's almost like a big insult to us, isn't it? It's like, it is, we don't like you, England, we go off. I think as long as the Queen is alive, I think she will always make a place for them both. I don't think she's a vindictive woman. I think she sees the struggles and I think she's doing a lot to help. Mm. Um, I don't think he'll be necessarily pushed out. I think it may be told, you can't have this, I can't justify this. But I think it'll be far from, well, there's the door, go on, get out there. I think... But I'll be interested in your thoughts. Let me know, editor at WorcesterObserver.co.uk, with that because I think it's going to something that's going to run and run. Not surprised that you're going to know the editor of the Faithful City's newspaper is loyal to Her Majesty the Queen. <laughs> but it is personal belief. It's not just because I'm the editor of the paper. Uh, one thing I do want to move on to uh, and urge you to get behind is the Best of Worcester Awards. They are. This is online at WorcesterObserver.co.uk. .co.uk even, put my teeth back in there, (laughs) an invitation has gone out for city residents to nominate Worcester's unsung heroes. The Best of Worcester Awards, Thursday, April the 2nd at the Guildhall. 
Aladita, the Mayor of Worcester, is launching, has launched uh, the awards, working together with us at the Observer. Um, they can nominate, you can nominate anybody, anyone that has made the difference to this brilliant city of ours, nominate them. So it could be forward. a teacher, school a teacher. teacher, a football coach, yes. uh, absolutely anyone. You name it, yes. Okay. Anyone that's made a I might, difference. I might nominate you, Rob. Uh, well, I'm presenting an award, so oh, don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> That would be a bit embarrassing. You yes. open the envelope and you're the winner. It's me. Cheers. You could, you, you could just do that anyway, couldn't you? Is anyone going to check? Well, I, I tell you something. I've presented. I've been honoured to have been invited to three of them. Uh, now they're wonderful evenings because it just makes you realise why you actually do this job because the people and you hear the stories of what they do on a daily basis, often for nothing. And you think, do you know what? I can't moan about my job. Mm. You know, there's people doing this for absolutely nothing. They're far better than me. And I more than happily say that. But it's absolutely for anybody. Uh, there's going to be music there as well. There's going to be a music showcase uh, by young musicians from Bishop Perone CE College and Tudor Grange Academy. If it's anything like the standard of last year, which I'm sure it will be, it'll be wonderful. There were some fine young musicians there last year. It was a brilliant brilliant evening and it's something to uplift the soul and i'm tremendously excited and looking forward so how do we nominate if you visit www.facebook.com search for regenerating communities that'll be take you to the facebook page where you can leave them a message alternatively email info at regeneratingcommunities.com for more and the team there will get you send you a nomination form back but it can be in any category whatsoever it's a fabulous evening i'm thoroughly looking forward to it Fantastic. on april the Sounds 2nd exciting. and i hope you get involved and um really really get behind it because and nominate somebody you think is deserving even if they you know they're going to be embarrassed by it doesn't matter nominate them because it if they're going to be embarrassed it's probably because they're doing such a good job and they're so humble they probably need to be honored anyway very good thing coming up. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. This is coming up tomorrow, Thursday. So if you are listening to this, this has taken place on Thursday. But it's the first of four new festivals for the city, the Worcester Light Festival. Uh, Light Night Worcester. It's taking place 5.30 till 10 o'clock on Thursday night. There's going to be installations in Cathedral Square and down the high street. Lights everywhere. Beautiful art installations. There's a gorgeous picture of some lit up umbrellas that you must see that is actually going to be in the city so if the weather does calm down and we don't have yet at storm brendan or storm Anne or whatever the next storm's going to be named um do get down to worcester after dark tomorrow night because it's yet another great attraction we've devoted the whole of page four to it with the artwork being the, um being done by the students the actual event itself but also details of the volunteering that you can do and I will did promise to mention on the podcast visit www.7arts.org.uk forward slash volunteer to find out about volunteering for the other three events taking place in Worcester this year I love, I love people who do things like this because it's not making money it's just celebrating different. art and it's different it's and it's making beat. our high street and the it's cathedral fabulous. square pretty for a night so yeah fantastic I can't wait to see it fantastic tomorrow night in the city in Worcester obviously if you're listening to this Friday then sorry uh, but we'll have all the coverage on worcesterobserver.co.uk over the weekend and into next week one thing that um, another good this is a good news story you know I'm on a mission to give you good news stories this year so far this is sourced in tragedy but a good news story the Worcester Wolves 
who are going to appear in the BBL Cup final on January the 26th. They've now got a new addition to their vests. No, ah, Claire is half American. Well, she <laughs> lives there. Basketball. Hmm. Do I, am I right in calling them vests? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Didn't think. Don't know. Because it was... Somebody told me they were shirts, Jersey. but they, oh, they look like vests. So oh, I, yeah, no, I've described a, them as vests. Oh, no, a vest in America is a waistcoat. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's what... So um, a vest in America is called a wife beater. Fair enough. But I don't think they call the sports ones wife beaters, so I think they have shirts. Okay, shirts. they're shirt. Well, either way, whatever the Worcester Wolves play in, if they're shirts or vests, I've called them vests. If I'm wrong, then please do tell me and I will make the corrections. But I've now got the logo, Smile for Joel, on them. Um, this is to promote the Smile for Joel charity, which was set up in memory of Joel Richards, uh, a University of Worcester student who was murdered in the terror attacks in Tunisia in 2015 along with 30 other uh, British victims um, in Seuss on June the 26th. Uh, he also died with his uncle and his grandfather, tragically, and the charity that was set up in his memory, amongst a host of other things to remember this young man, um, was Smile for Joel, which raises money for victim support. So Worcester Wolves, for the rest of the season, will be wearing the logo of the charity on there, and more power to them, and congratulations to them for doing that, because... It's, again, something for free, but it raises awareness of such an important charity for, by all accounts, what sounds like a wonderful young man who was yeah. taken far too soon, along with 30 other innocent victims. Uh, visit facebook.com, search for Smile for Joel to find out more about the charity. I encourage you to do so. Um, to do so as well. We spoke about Arlo last week, the little boy um, who could hear for the first time, thanks to his mother's... Um, Thanks to um, a hearing aid and the video is online. Do visit our website. It's still pinned to the um, top of our Facebook page if you do want to have a bit of a heartwarming moment of seeing the little lad here for the first time. Another hospital-related story, baby-related story. I though. love this one. I, I absolutely love it as well. New mums across the county who give birth and may suffer complications early on um, at the Worcestershire Royal are going to be given iPads as part of a groundbreaking scheme at the Worcestershire Royal. Moms can follow their baby's progress on a live video link. So imagine the equipment that's bought to do your blood pressure. There's an iPad strapped to that for mom if mom's bed-bound and can't get out. And then there's another one at the in the neonatal unit at the Worcestershire Royal. Um, so you can watch the newborn. And it's vital for um, those first few days of bonding. I know we were very lucky... Um, that once our son was born, he was by our side then continuously, wasn't taken away, didn't need any medical help in neonatal or anything. And those first few hours, minutes, hours, days, absolutely vital. You learn so much and you're just engulfed by this wonderful bundle that you've now got to look after for 18 years. We, we've had loads of comments online Have about we? this. Yeah, we've had... Um somebody called Leslie on Instagram saying her daughter was born in a neonatal and the first couple of nights of her life, she hadn't even held her or oh, anything. Wow. And so she was saying, oh my goodness, if she could have had this, then it would have just changed everything. And she's so over the moon that this is now available. Another person called Really, as a mum who had a baby at 28 weeks, 15 years ago, this made me cry knowing how far things have progressed. Thank you for doing this, Worcester wow. Royal. Like, it's just the, the response 
response has been incredible because obviously it is like, as you say, such a powerful moment. And those, first, can you imagine having a baby c- and not I, even being no. able to see it or hold it or anything? I, c- I can't. I mean, I, I think I think every parent would agree with me if your child is brought into the world safe and sound and doesn't need any m- medical attention, and you get that's all you should ask for. That's the that's the blessing. Mm. Uh, and I admire anyone that. Has to be in. We did a story a couple of weeks ago of the um, baby who was in neonatal for a hundred days. Oh, bless! Um, but they're fight. They're fighters. They're, mm. they're often fighters. I think, as along with doctors and nurses, midwives, neonatal staff, they must see some awful emotional sights and go on a longer a roller coaster. And more power to them and to the moms and dads that have to. Take it, be taken in by the neonatal unit. I think it's a fabulous thing, and I hope it increases actually because I think there's only two at the moment. There's a cart and an equivalent iPad. I think there's only two for the Worcestershire Royal at the moment. So maybe someone out there can think about some fundraising. I don't know. Yeah, great idea. Um, maybe I maybe I shall promote that in the paper next week. Who knows? Something quirky I want to bring you as well, and I don't know if the lady concerned is listening to the podcast, but if you are. Someone's looking for you, but in the very, very nicest way. Graham Davis contacted the Observer before Christmas, actually. So apologies, Graham, if you're listening. We've only just done the story now, but I think it's worthwhile to do. It's a bid to reunite relatives of members of a Halifax bomber, which was shot down in the skies over Belgium in 1943, has led Graham to Worcester. Mm. Graham contacted the Observer in a bid to reach city resident Suzette Cook, who is the daughter of Ron Stokes, the rear gunner, gunner of bomber MPX, and was a member of the 76th Squadron of the Royal Air Force during the Second World War. Now, I love wartime stories. This I adore because I think it's brilliant. Mr Davis's uncle, who he didn't provide his name for, sadly, uh, and Mr Stokes, were um, both on the aircraft when it was shot down over Belgium on its way to Dusseldorf. All of the crew sensationally survived. Okay, wow. And... Thanks to the actions of the pilot, Flight Lieutenant Dennis Hornsey, they all managed to escape the clutches of the Nazis. Um, well, sorry, no, I get that get that right. They were all captured by the Nazis on mm. the ground, except the pilot, Flight Lieutenant Dennis Hornsey, who escaped thanks to the efforts of the Comet Line Resistance Movement, who existed apparently between 1941 and 1944 to help Allied soldiers shot down, escape from the clutches and get home. Um, Flight Lieutenant Hornsey actually got out of the country, into Spain, and then on to Gibraltar from where he went home. Oh, fantastic. And do we know what happened to the rest of the crew who were caught? They were released at the end end of the the war. Um, But Graham Davis has been in contact with various people, and he wants to organise a reunion and a meeting of all the relatives, the surviving relatives of those that were on that flight... Um, so Suzette if you are listening anyone knows Suzette give Graham Davis a call 01639 687 084 and let's see if we can organise a reunion to provide some great inspiration into what was a sad time but also a good time you know for the sake of our country and the efforts of the brave brave men and women have you seen that new movie 1970 is it 1917 or 1918 1917 1917 no desperate oh, i'm desperate too as well it looks amazing it does doesn't it yeah it's been winning loads of awards and it it's, looks yeah. absolutely amazing and i love wartime stuff like that especially the stuff that is really accurate and that you know they've put in a lot of effort into mm. finding out 
Um, I don't know how long we've been going. And maybe we've been going twenty-seven minutes. Twenty-seven minutes, right? Mm. It feels shorter than that. This is this is what happens when we condense what we're talking about and actually limit the conversation a little bit. In other words, we don't go on and on and on about the same old thing. Um, These days, we don't have Brexit to talk about no, as much. We don't. So, you no, know, we don't. Isn't yeah. it a blessed relief? Time flies because we're having have fun. Have you not noticed lots of politics news recently? Mm. It's almost like politics has been relegated to just being in the news again. Yeah, yeah. And nobody starts the bulletin with, right, right, and more Brexit. Yeah, We've broken our phone, not to mention it's Brexit. It's nice to hear about other things, though, as well. It isn't is it? nice to <laughs> the broader, broader uh, brush of it. And I, 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 I'm personally very, very happy with it. I'm very um, comfortable with it now, as long as, as I've said, Boris... Go and get a good trade deal. Go and get a good trade what, deal. What do you think about this um, ringing Big Ben? The I bells? don't see the point. No. I don't see the point. Mm. It's silly of them, really, because they built the... Fl- apparently, it's going to cost somebody... Half a million. Some people are saying half a million. Other people are saying that's grossly exaggerated. But it's going to cost a lot of money um, because it's, they've got to rebuild the floor or yeah, something. Yeah, because it's still being, maint- it's still yeah. being improved. But, but it's silly that they just didn't leave the floor there after New Year. I think it's a waste, I think it's a waste of money. I think... But also, it doesn't, it's not an, and I mean, look, everybody, you'll know I'm a Remainer, so some of you listening to this are just going to go, well, you're a Remain voter, you're going to think, I just don't see the point. You know, we are going to leave. We are leaving. Mm. And why is it at 11pm? Because uh, Europe is an hour in front of us. Oh. So we see, have to leave you, at... you have all the answers, Rob. We, I, d- I didn't even think about that. We have to leave that. at 11 um, because Europe is an hour in front of us. So glad we have so you we, on this one, Carlson. Te- technically, we'll be leaving on the first, but... Got you. We, okay. Just because we're just over here a little bit. I think it's a waste of money. And also, I, I just think it's a bit trivial. I think there's still a lot of remorse. There's a lot of anger still in the country. And I think... I, I think December the 12th, the general election, was the turning, the page-turner in our history now. We have elected a government with a substantial majority to execute something they said they would do. Mm. Let's not get bogged down with the little trivialities like, oh, we must have the bells to ring to signify it. Mm. Let's get on and do it. If it's going to be the success that those that support it, like yourself, then let's get on and do it. Mm. I, I mean, I personally feel like it's a shame that Big Ben isn't all up and ready to... But we knew it needed maintenance. Yeah, exactly. But I wish they'd have kept the floor, you know, in there after New Year. And I think there are other ways maybe there could be some sort of... I don't know. They, it's a nice idea having some sort of monument chiming out... At, as it does for New Year and things. I mean, it's a nice idea for those who want it. Yeah, but I, I can see it. I don't think... I can see it, but I think the best... I think now... we. I mean, we're all... We've, we've said on this podcast millions of times, frankly, we're all tired and bored of this bit. We can't wait for the exciting stuff to happen now. All the trade deals that are going to come our well, way. Yeah, I mean, the, the will of the people was... 52-48 in 2016. That was the, so a majority said we wanted to leave. And you can debate, let's not get bogged down with who did what and to who. But we're there now. We, we, it, typical Britain, you know, do you want it done quick or do you want it done right? Uh, <laughs> we, got, we got it done right in the end. Um, but we've elected now a government. The two biggest polls about this 
have elected a have given the answer that it's Brexit. Nowhere was the anti-Brexit message. Mm. You know, if the election in 2019 had resulted in a hung parliament again, then I don't know what would have, I don't know what would have happened. But it was a clear message that the British people wanted it done. Mm. So let's move forward and let's get it done now, because we need. Don't forget, this is only stage one. This is only us leaving. There is a transition deal. Um, you know, we go into transition then, but the, I believe wholeheartedly from the Remain side, I lost. I lost completely. I lost, well, I lost three times if you count 2017 because my views didn't win the day. I took part in democracy, though. What's your view on the whole Scotland thing? Do you think they should be part of Britain or do you think they should be given another referendum? Do you think... I don't, I, I don't like telling a country what it wants to do. I would point out that they said that in the original referendum it's a once-in-a-lifetime, mm. a once-in-a-generation vote. You can't keep having it. But also, if Scotland know, if Nicola Sturgeon knows that an independent Scotland would be admitted back to the European Union, then she should carry on pushing for it. Even though she promised to respect the referendum of 2016. Well, that, that's, her, that's her policy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would think it would be folly to just have something and then say the Scots voted to leave. And then the next day the European Union went, well, you're not coming back in here. Mm. Because let's be honest, I don't think the European Union are going to admit Scotland, an independent Scotland, because then Catalonia will turn around and go, well, OK, well, we want in then. But then is that going to annoy Spain? And then are Spain going to want to leave the European Union as a result of it? The EU are not going to want... The EU want this separation stuff the Britain, British are doing finished. They want Brexit done, and then they want to say to everyone else, well, we're all a happy family, aren't we? <laughs> Anything to provoke another... Another rich country leaving. Another, yeah. another rich... Well, I mean, you can debate the whys and wherefores, but a big country... I mean, mm. if Spain left... Spain is probably not the richest country at the moment. and They've had an economic downturn, but it's another big, you know, mm. if you took a lot of the Western side of the European Union, then would be removed. I don't know. I, I, think, I think a lot of reasonable Scots will go, I'll vote to leave if we can go back into the, the EU. And if the EU is closed off, to them, I think a lot of Scots will go, well, we're better the devil we know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tricky, but the problem is, the problem Nicola Sturgeon is going to face is that she has now got a Prime Minister in London who doesn't have to do deals with anybody anymore. Exactly, yeah. I and she's going to face, although she's the Queen of Scotland, uh, her party have got most of the seats in Scotland. Although they lost massively. If you look at their figures from the last election... Um, the one before that, they, they've lost something like 250,000 mm. seats and a lot of seats. Votes. Votes, yeah, <laughs> votes, sorry. And, There's only 650 yeah. the whole of the... And quite a lot of seats, but yeah. they, they were using the figures of 2016 as opposed to the 2014. And Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, tricky. a hard one, isn't it? It is tricky because the problem is it's the belief, you know, a nationalist party will believe that. But then you look at Scotland, there's no opposition. Mm. The Conservatives have lost a great asset in Ruth Davidson. 
she was one of the greatest assets the party had, Labour and non-existent in Scotland, which gets me onto the Labour leadership. Oh, who's it going to be? It's all getting rather... Why is there not anybody talking about what the party needs to do in Scotland? That's true. Haven't thought about that. It's all going to be about, well, we need to move on from Brexit. Mm. No, you need to completely ignore Brexit now. It's for women and... you need to look at what the hell your party are going to do. Who who do you like? There's four women and one Keir Starmer, isn't it? Just one, one Keir, four one, women and one, one Keir Starmer. One man, Keir four Starmer. women and one Keir Starmer. <laughs> I was trying to think of his name and it just came to me before I said man. Um, he, uh, he, he's a barrister by trade. He would be very good in sort of the to and fro of Prime Minister's questions. But I, I don't like the fact that he asked for his sir. I'm not a great... I'm, I'm getting to the point now where it's 2020... Labour still hasn't had a female leader. And I'm not doing this because I'm a man and I'm just promoting women because I'm the big man and saying, oh, we should have one of these ladies now. I actually think that it should, be, it should be a woman now because you look at the talent in the Labour Party now, the female talent in the Labour Party, the intellect, the passion for their local communities and what they can bring to the role... I think it's about time Labour actually shifted a little bit and mm. actually elected its first woman leader. Um, because, it, you know... It's shocking they haven't really had a woman leader. It is. And, but then if you a... broaden it out, it's 2020, and this country of ours has still only ever had two female prime ministers. Mm. I mean, it's getting to the point now where it's like, well, come on. I mean, Rebecca Long-Bailey, I don't necessarily like because I think she would be continuity Corbyn Mm. Um, Jess Phillips I worry about because she's trying to be honest but she has a brummy She's a she brummy like us. She's We're a brummy. I'm not brummy technically. Are you I'm not brummy? Wal- no, from Walsall. Oh, I'm a brummy. We've got to be careful. I was born and bred in Birmingham. Yeah, we're from. You see, being from Walsall, we like to claim we're brummies, but then Birmingham people go, "No, you're not." <laughs> and then we go off to saying we're from the Black Country, and then the Wolverhampton lot tell us we're not in. Are you? Are you, are you do you feel a little like you're from from? I, we're, I'm a proud member of the People's Republic of Walsall. <laughs> uh, we will succeed from the West Midlands at some point, and we will take Junction Ten of the M6 with us. <laughs> and then you'll listen to us. We control Junction 10 and we'll take IKEA if we fancy it as well. Where, where is um, Jess Phillips actually from? Do we know? Birmingham, yeah. Whereabouts in Birmingham? Uh, well, she's the MP for Yardley. I don't know whether okay. she, where from... Yeah. I just... The only problem I've got with her is that she's been frightfully honest. Mm. And is that going to, you know... How's that going to translate if she ever becomes Prime Minister and say, oh, sorry, we can't do that? <laughs> you know, I don't think people are going to go, well, well, why can't you? Mm. Uh, but I think she's... She's got passion, and I like her. She's not afraid to confront the things in her past. You know, her brother has been a drug addict. She's talked openly about that. She's a breath of fresh air. I think she might be too honest for her own good. Lisa Nandy, I think she's very honest. She's, um, I think she's different, and I like the message she's putting out there that we need to really go back into the communities we've lost. Only then will we understand why we're in mm. this mess. Emily uh, Thornbury. Oh, I can't. She's the one. I just hope it isn't any of the others. I just. I don't. I don't know. I, yes, I, I get where you're coming from completely. I, I, can't, I can't even watch her. But when afraid. she talks about she... her upbringing, there's a lot of good there in her oh, upbringing. Oh, is there? Okay, maybe um, I haven't heard those she, bits. I mean, she gave it. She was on a pod, another podcast, the Times Red Box podcast. Hi, Matt Chorley. Um, just giving a shout out to 
because he's a prolific tweeter, so he might share it if his name's mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, she she gave a speech at the Labour Party conference. Was it was it this year or was it last year? I think it may have been last year, but it could have been the year before. Um, and she talked about growing up single uh, single mom, you know, with a single mom, and growing up in a working class. And she's climbed the ladder really. She's gone from working class household up to the middle class where she is now. Um, but I get. She's, I, I she's admire, very marmite. I admire her for things like that, and I think she's she, maybe she's a lovely, lovely person. But she is very marmite. I just can't bear listening to her because I feel like she just contradicts herself all the time. I think she and just relaxes. Is, yeah, and she's at so, times I'm watching her and thinking, you, you're desperate and, and to be offended, and she tries relax, to be so talk. manly in a way. She yeah, tries to be so sort which of, I can understand because I, I, Westminster to me still looks like a an alpha male bear pit at times. I think a lot of there's a lot of strong women there that are softening it dramatically. Mm. Uh, I would I would I would just personally like to see I would personally like to see a woman um, because I think what they the candidates that have gone forward I think they're all very interesting. They're all fascinating to listen to, and I think they've got a lot of good ideas. Mm. I don't think it's tokenism. I think it. No, I think the best best man or woman for the job. It doesn't matter, does yeah. it? But um, it would be nice for to have. It'd a... just be nice to have another political party to be led by a woman again. Mm. Um, I think it's that time, and we we're a great. I was listening, I listening to the Democratic presidential debate. Well, not listening. I was watching it last night on CNN, mm. and you know Elizabeth Warren came across really, really well. Oh, did she? And, again, we're talking about we've only ever had two prime ministers. America hasn't had a female president. Mm. And I just wonder if she's the one to take... Because I think she I think she would be happy to get the boxing gloves on with Trump and just go, come on, then. Mm. Let's get in the ring and let's have... Let's really debate it. And I think the only people that would win are the American people because I think the competition would say, here's my vision, you're wrong, here's my vision. I don't think we've seen anything. We all moan about Brexit over the last couple of years, but I think this year, the presidential election, 2020, is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before. It's going to be bloody. It's It's going to be... be, And it's going to just be enormous, isn't it? Because they start it, don't they? They're going to start doing it like now. I will go to the polls, I think... November the... No, because we've we've got the primary season from February till August for the Democrats to pick their candidate. Mm. And then that's confirmed at the Democratic convention in August. And then that candidate will go and fight Trump on the first Tuesday in November. Oh, first Tuesday in November, yeah. I think it's going to just be quite a spectacle. I think it'll be fascinating because he is clearly in election mode already. Mm. He's literally like, right, I'm rallying the troops already. But it just seems the more... How craziness he does, the more they love him. And it, it it's so polarising, isn't it? He's got a very good base. Yeah. He's really tapped into the Republican base. It's, it's going to be think interesting. He's, edu- he's energised a lot of Republican voters in the States. Mm. And the challenge for the Democrat, I think, is to energise the Democratic base. I think they've been too splintered before. I think in when Trump was elected, I don't think Hillary got the whole Democratic base behind her. It still shocks me that she... I mean, the polls before that, it was just guaranteed... Well, if we'd have bet... If we, if I'd have been a betting person, we could have made a fortune on that. Because well, I'll tell you what you'd have lost in 2016 if you'd have had a bet. You'd have lost on Brexit because all the, all the bookies were offering... It, the, odds, the only favourable odds on the UK staying in, and all of them were on 
Clinton, Hillary Clinton being president. So you'd have lost a lot of money. Yeah. This is why polls aren't always correct. Mm. Anyway, one thing that is always correct is the time. We've gone on a bit too long. That was a really poor link, but we'll press on anyway. <laughs> Put the world to right once again. The royal family, Worcester, the US, the Brexit, we, the Labour leadership. We've tackled it all this week. Once again, you've been well served by the Worcester Observer podcast. If you want to get in touch, editor at worcesterobserver.co.uk, on Facebook, on Twitter, and also Instagram, where you're leaving all these lovely comments for us. But until next week, I'm Rob George. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Claire. Thank you. I think we're done here. Bye-bye. (laughs)